0: Hi listeners, welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janita DeCristofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janitor Cristofaro, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast is meant to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While loss is something we will all experience throughout our lives, when it occurs most of us are left not knowing what to do, how to feel, or how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we hope these podcast conversations lead to a better understanding of grief and also give you some ideas and inspiration for how to show up for yourself and those you care about. I met today's guest, John, back in 2007 when he joined a group for young adults after the sudden death of his older brother, Stephen. John was 26 and Stephen was 29. Nine years later, John sent me an email after hearing my voice on a radio show. The day marked six weeks since his second daughter, River, died 90 minutes after she was born. Since that email six months ago, John and I have had a number of conversations about these losses and the ways he's found to be present with himself and this intense grief. John, thank you so much for being a guest today.
1: Thanks for having me here.
0: I was looking back at a speech that you gave at a Dougie Center event this winter, and in it you wrote, Though she lived for an hour in our arms, she is our daughter. Because we love her in the present tense, she is alive. That is what is true for me. It is the healthiest way I have found to understand the unimaginable. It is the way I feel most whole, by appreciating the holes that are left by these absences. And this is what I now get to see in my living daughter. We are a family of four, sharing three bodies. I like that too. When I looked back over those words, Dawn, what really struck me is the idea of how you carry River and Steven in you. Are there other ways that you work to keep Steven and River with you in the present tense?
1: I think that when deaths like these happen, my experience has been that like time time stops and starts fresh, so there's this, this secondary timeline that's happening. There's a counting against or a counting from the point of trauma. I am both 36 years old now and it's been almost 10 years since my brother died. That kind of way of the double counting has kept Stephen really with me because He still has birthdays and he still is marked in my life in an ongoing way and my wife and i have chosen to do that together in what feel like really whole and healthy ways and we've we're looking i guess and we've found a few ways that we're also doing that with river because the truth for us is that grief has, or the truth for me i'll just speak for myself has changed my identity it's changed who i am so now i i live with the dead, so to speak. I hold them with me.
0: So it almost seems like there's two markers of, if I'm hearing you correctly, Mm -hmm. the marker of um, who you were before these deaths and who you are after these deaths, but then also who you are in relationship to the person before their death and who you are in relation to them after their death.
1: Yeah, exactly, right. And all of that mosaic is coming together in an ongoing way. It's always unveiling. You know, people say things like, they'll always be in your heart. And that never really spoke to me at the beginning of the grief process with Stephen, but especially now looking back in all of the ways that it's really true, it just wasn't the image that worked for me. Mm. He's not present in my heart, so to speak. I feel him in my guts. It's like a, I can see an image in my in my stomach that holds a place for him. And I feel that now when I am in places that mark mark him or bring me to him or I'm listening to music that was a shared interest or brings back a memory. Sometimes smells will do it for me. And all of those I look at as like like visits from him in the same way that I imagine I would feel if he were still alive and we called each other and had a conversation.
0: It's interesting as you talk about that, it's so true, right, that when someone's here in their physical form, we might run into something that makes us think of them, and we have a location or an, an opportunity to do something with that information or that inspiration. We might text someone or call them on the phone or send them a quick email or even just in our mind connect that to them and their physical presence. But then mm-hmm. when someone dies, I hear so many people struggling with, I had that moment of thinking of them, and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't mm-hmm. know what to do with that welling up of emotion. It seems like there's... Right ways that you've found to do something with it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I didn't know what I was doing at all and I still don't. But there are ways that I have figured out to to be happy about it. And that feels like a choice at some point along the grief process to like to, you know, to choose to allow happiness to come back in. And for me that was a long time and felt felt like a hard process. But yeah, like writing is something that I do. I if I feel a visit come, I might just pick up a pen and start writing. When I write, I often write in the second tense, so I'll write to you, and now often that's to River in these, you know, close to her death months. But it's also Stephen often, so that feels like a current tense, present tense address. Also they both have talismans in nature. Stephen is a hawk, and River is a wind that will catch my attention, so when those visits happen, when a hawk flies by, I can stop for a minute and be there and be happy, be happy that that's there. I was talking to one of my brother's oldest friends the other day and I asked him if he missed Stephen and he kind of paused and laughed and said, well, I guess I would if he wasn't around so often. I appreciate that he's operating that way.
0: Because the Um, hawk is true for him too. Yeah,
1: it's true for him too And, and he's got his own ways of visiting. And so, you know, now we get to have this conversation that feels very present. One concrete thing that we've done for River it's lovely and it comes back to me often and it's been part of an ongoing conversation with our community in the last couple of months we had this holiday of Christmas coming up and we asked people to remember that River was part of our celebration and we hung a stocking in our mantle and what we asked people to do was to do something nice to do something good and then write River a a postcard and tell tell us about that Mm. and we got like I don't know, we counted at one point, it was like 60 or 80 or postcards from people. And some of it extended, like people we'd never even met that were friends of friends. And it was all this whole gamut of just good stuff that was happening in the universe. And that's the kind of thing that feels like it's got legs that are in the here and now that not only help us feel like anything good could come out of such a terrible thing, but also just that there are people who are thinking and operating and and loving. That's helpful for me
0: being able to see people be motivated to engage in certain ways or do certain things in honor of River and also, I imagine, in honor of you and your family.
1: Yeah, yeah, and doing good felt good, but really it's the act of of loving. Often the best and the worst of things in life are kind of left to the sides of our conversations. So it's nice to be able to reach and, and bring those to the center when you really need it and have people be able to respond.
0: Another thing we hear often from people as a layer of suffering is feeling very alone in their grief or feeling unsupported or feeling like they don't even know what support might look like. Can you talk a little bit about how that's been either similar or different between Stephen's death and River's death?
1: Yeah, I think one big difference has been me or us and some lessons maybe that we learned from grieving before. After Stephen's death, reflexively, we shared that a tragedy had happened. He's 29, he died in his sleep. It shouldn't have happened. There's nothing that could explain why this happened. And so in a state of unbelief and disbelief and need to connect with people, we just shared. And one of the lessons I came away from, when you share honestly with people about some of the worst stuff that's happened to you, more often than not, there's somebody there that's wanting and willing return a story. And I think with time I've I've learned that there's good happening in both sides there. For a long time I just felt it as comforting me. But I think there's probably a a broader need to be talking about all of this. My process of grieving Steven allowed me to see that we needed to do that immediately as River died.
0: To reach out and ask for help and tell people your story.
1: and share, and connect, and invite other people's stories into helping us understand, because how can you understand? It's, it's impossible, but it is, and so when I've shared my story with people, by and large, the response has been love, connection, and a, a need to share back.
0: In that experience of reaching out to people, sharing your story, were there specific things that people said? You mentioned earlier that many people said they're always with you in your heart and mm-hmm. how that image didn't really work for you specifically, but that concept over time made more sense. Were there things that were specific that people mm-hmm. said that were helpful? Was it just a general presence?
1: Yeah, it's that's an interesting question because my mind immediately goes, I guess, more to the things that were not helpful.
0: As it does for almost every single person who has talked to a group at the Dougie Center or been a podcast guest. So feel free to share those too.
1: Those those pop more to mind. And I think I just came to hear all of those things as love being expressed awkwardly. People saying after River died, you'll have another or something good is sure to come of this. For me, not the right time and place mm-hmm. uh, in those moments. I came to be able to hear it as just a wish for love.
0: I love that idea of love expressed awkwardly. (laughs) It's probably the most compassionate response to (laughs) some of those things that can in the moment feel very painful.
1: Yeah, your stomach's turning all the time and you're just struggling to breathe sometimes. And so those comments can feel like an extra gut punch because you can't really impact what people are gonna say, but you can impact how you receive it Mm. sometimes.
0: sometimes. So for anyone out there who may have expressed your love awkwardly, just know there's room for you too in those responses. It's
1: okay. We're all growing.
0: And the hardest thing for that, I I think, we recently posted an article about someone was saying we need to learn different ways of saying I'm sorry for your loss. And recognizing that grief is so unique and what feels good to us after someone has died or what doesn't feel terrible to us is so different. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard when it comes to giving suggestions of like the top five things to say and the top five things not to say because mm-hmm. depending on who you're talking to, that may or may not feel like absolutely a helpful thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, in my case, it was really very helpful when people would just show up and do something nice.
0: So John, one of the things we... haven't really talked about you mentioned in your initial writing that you are a family of four and so I know you have another young child and I'm curious how did you and your wife talk with her about River's death how have you seen her experience grief
1: yeah we we have a three-year-old she just had her third birthday so she was two and a half or so and very expectant to be a big sister she's quite precocious and uh, verbal and talked a lot about becoming a big sister and then we got this news and the reality that it wasn't going to be the case. We decided on impulse and some speaking to that depth of place that we had to be in when we were you know, coming to this reality that told us we needed to just be open and honest and talk to Montreal about her sister. And so we did. We used, we used words like dying and death and told her that her little sister wasn't strong enough to, to live in this world. We were going to go to the hospital and her sister would be born, but she wouldn't be able to come home. And she's, she got it. She, she talked back about this. And on the day that we were going to the hospital, September 26th, we dropped her off at daycare, and she came back and hugged my wife's belly and wished River goodnight. It just felt like she really understood. And that's continued. I mean, this talk has has grown with her. And we don't force it, but we listen close. We have a few books. She asks to read these books and will tell you, I'm thinking about that baby River. Think about that baby River. And she asks questions that evolve. Like it started with, where'd that baby go? And we would tell her she died. Well, is the baby coming back? No, but we can, we can visit. And we use some of that language I spoke of before, like you, you might see her in your dreams or you'll hold her in your heart. And we've done a few rituals. We released a balloon on, the, on her due date. And Montreal was a part of that and told us to, to draw a family on the balloon before we let it go. And she was clear that it had to have four people. And the next day after we did that, she asked where we thought the balloon went. And when we said, I don't don't know, it just disappeared into the sky, she she offered back, maybe the fairies took it to Baby (laughs) River. And so this sense that like, she's living with both grief and sadness and this kind of weird question of whether she is a big sister or not. how it's like or different from her friends who are big sisters.
0: She seems like an amazing mirror for that process of trying to make sense of what is nearly impossible to make sense of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And figuring out, you know, like really listening to what her questions are and trying to answer them, you know, concretely when we can, and at least honestly when we can't. It's been a nice way to share the grief.
0: Another phrase that seems to come up a lot in the bereavement world is, a life cut short. And I'm just wondering if that is something that you relate to in some way, either with Stephen or River or both.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one, because I think I used to think that about Stephen's death. I used to think that it was a life cut short. And that phrase feels feels sad. And it is sad, you know, death and early death. But... I don't know, maybe the corresponding phrase is uh, not a life cut short, but a complete life lived shortly. And I think River's life and death absolutely was that. It really couldn't be other for me. I think because we, we knew it was happening and we held both birth and life and death in the same kind of moments that she was who she was, she is who she is, and it's complete in that moment. And now she will always be a part of our story, part of who I am, and part of our family. And I think that's really maybe helped me see the same in Stephen's death, which to me, I think, feels just, it just feels more comforting to not feel like there's a lot of memories and experiences that Stephen missed out on, but rather he had his own set of experiences. And now in our own way, He and I have our own experiences. It's just through me.
0: Well, thank you so much, John, for sharing your experience, talking about your grief, sharing about River and Stephen with us today. And I am in awe, as always, with your ability to find the words, to articulate very deep, very painful, very intense emotions. So thank you for doing that with us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for all the work that keeps going.
0: And for listeners out there, definitely stay tuned because I have a feeling there's going to be a memoir at some Mm -hmm. point with John's name in the author line. So (laughs) is that possibly in the works?
1: We shall see. I've I've been working on a collection of poetry coming out of of Rivers' death that I've been toying with the idea of putting out into the world. But I've never done that, so we'll see where it leads.
0: Well, please keep us posted. I look forward to a signed copy one day. (laughs) Thanks. And for everyone out there who's listening today, thank you for being part of our audience. If you uh, would like to listen to any of our past episodes, you can find us on our website, dougy.org, or on iTunes, Stitcher, any other podcast platform you might use. We are planning a name change for our podcast, so stay tuned for that. I'll have more details as they come into fruition, but looking forward to sharing that information with you. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time.